So hello, everybody, and welcome to What Do Scientists Do? It's a show where I talk to a different science guest each episode, and they teach us all about what it's like working in a field of science, technology, engineering, or math. Today, I'm joined by Sophia. Sophia, nice to meet you. Oh, it's so nice to meet you, too. Thanks for having me. So, Sophia, could you tell us your pronouns and what kind of science-related thing you do? Sure thing. My name is Sophia. Nice to meet everybody. My pronouns are she, her, or they. It doesn't really matter. You can use whatever. And I am a multimedia technician, but what's interesting is that I'm also a seafarer, which means that I live aboard a research vessel and I'm in charge of a specific technology on board. So what is that technology that you take care of? So I live on a ship called Falcor 2, and what we specialize in is oceanographic research. So we cruise all around the world and we help scientists do their research. But another huge component of that is outreach and science communication. And so how we do that is through live streaming primarily and also through YouTube and other forms of social media. And so what I do on board is I make sure those live stream systems are working correctly. Um, I'm actually going to be putting together the broadcast. So I'm choosing which types of video are going to be broadcasted onto YouTube and Facebook. And I'm also going to be running our ship to shore program, which is where different school groups, university groups, or anyone interested can sign up for this. And essentially, it's like a Skype call with our ship where we give a tour, we can answer questions, we can interview scientists on board. Um, and it's just more of like a personalized inside look into what life on a research ship is like. That is very cool. Is this something that you can sign up for now that you'll be able to sign up for in the future? Yeah, so that's actually a huge part of our science expeditions. So when science expeditions start back up in 2023, we're going to be able to accommodate those requests from all over the world because they are virtual. So that's something I'm very excited about. Very cool. So we'll make sure to include any information on signing up for that kind of thing when we post this episode. Absolutely. So that's very cool. What are some of the coolest things that this research vessel has found or looked at? Oh my gosh, there is so many. Um, I have actually the last few months been going through a lot of old ROV footage. So just to, like, I guess, get everybody on the same page, an ROV is a really cool type of robot, and it lives on board our ship, Valcor 2. It's called ROV Sebastian. It has a very cute name. It's named after Bastion in NeverEnding Story. And like, Sebastian's really cool because it's rated down to 4,500 meters, so it can dive kilometers into the ocean. And it has an array of all kinds of 4K cameras. And it's connected to the ship. There's no people in this robot. It's connected to the ship via a very thick cable that we call an umbilical. And that can transmit information from the team 
to the ROV. So the umbilical on this ROV is able to transmit information from the ROV team aboard the ship down to the ROV in the ocean. And then the ROV can transmit 4K video footage back up to the ship. And so we have found a lot of really interesting organisms that are actually new to science. Um, one of my personal favorites was the siphonophore. The ROV team and the scientists found one of the longest animals in the world. I think it was recorded to be the longest animal in the world. It's called an Apolemia siphonophore, which is a colonial animal kind of related to a jellyfish. Um, and they can form these really long chains in the ocean um, full of stinging cells that they use to capture their prey. And that was something really cool that the, um, the scientists and the ROV team found. That was kind of record breaking. But, you know, it's not just through the ROV that we find things. We also sample a lot with the ROV, anything interesting that we find. And that's how you can publish information about a new species and actually name it and get it out there to the public. That's very cool. Was your group the first ones to find a giant siphonophore, or was it just an especially long one? This siphonophore species wasn't new to science, but this was the longest animal ever recorded. Um, and so it was just a very unusually long Apolemia siphonophore. Yeah. That is very cool. Has this ship discovered anything brand new, like new species? Yes, actually, um, that's a really good question. We've discovered many new species, and our work has led to quite a lot of scientific publications. So that's how you can get, you know, the animals that you find officially named and things like that. And so I believe a few years ago, we discovered a really cool new scale worm. So all kinds of really fun critters like that. It looks kind of like a really shiny, iridescent roly-poly, but it's not related to a roly-poly at all. It's just a very cool segmented worm. I remember the Latin name, but I don't remember if it had a common name or not, but it's very cool. That's okay. That does sound very cool. So you're you are surrounded by all these scientists doing all this tool research, discovering new species, sending a robot deep down to the ocean. What would you say a day in your life is like? Because you're living on the ship, right? Yes, I am. As we're chatting right now, I am actually on the ship. Um, it's very interesting. It's very unlike, you know, living and working on land. So I would say the biggest difference for me is that it's very structured. So we will also wake up very early in the morning compared to like when I worked on land. So usually here I'll wake up around like 5.30 in the morning. Um, we'll have breakfast like 6.30 or 7, depending on the day. And then we work all day until dinner time. And then Sometimes even after dinner, you have to work if, you know, the instruments aren't working or if you need to fix something. You know, there's always things that come up. Um, but sometimes after dinner, you get some like some downtime and that's some amazing time that the crew can spend, you know, playing games together or reading or doing a quiet activity. 
Um, if we're in port, a lot of our crew members are runners. So sometimes we'll run together, which is super fun. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, so many things that you can do in a day and it's usually quite different and it's different from when we're in port also to when we're at sea. Very cool. So how did you decide that you wanted to do this kind of job? I actually got very lucky. Um, I wasn't expecting that I would be doing something cool like this. I knew that I really wanted to be more involved in science communication because I've loved marine biology ever since I was very young. And that's what I'm formally trained in. That's what I went to school for. And I did my research in biological oceanography. So I worked with a lot of different instruments in the lab. And so instruments is just like a technology that can measure something for us. So I was working on a few different instruments. And so I can apply those skills to working on instruments on the ship, which is very exciting. And then to combine that with, you know, my interest in science communication and making, you know, something as complicated as ocean science more like tangible and understandable to people, I think that's a really cool opportunity for me personally. Um, so yeah, and I just came about it because I was looking for a job and I saw that they were offering one and they took me in and it was a very cool um, moment. So you've done all this stuff on the ship. You've worked in biological oceanography before. What is your favorite science-related thing that you've ever done? That is a really good question. It's actually a very hard question to answer because I'm lucky enough that I got to do a lot of cool science things. And I'm sure on the ship, you know, if you interview me again in like a year or two, I'll have more stories of like cool critters that we find. But so far, I have really and just really enjoyed teaching. When I worked for like a museum a few years ago, I got to take a high school group to Bodega Bay in California for a week for like a full experience, like immersion program in marine sciences. And it was just so wonderful to teach this group of kids everything about marine science and really get hands-on like field experience. Um, it was just so special because, uh, you know, seeing their faces light up when they discovered something new or something that they didn't know about was just really meaningful to me. And um, also, you know, it was really wonderful to work with them because they were all very interesting people. Um, they came from a very diverse sort of background, and I learned a lot through um, this experience and I'm really excited to carry it forward in you know the future sort of science communications things that I do and especially in this live stream you know all these things kind of you know help me prepare for this in a way. That's so sweet that's so lovely that your favorite thing was actually teaching about all the cool science things that you do. So you're living on this ship. Mm -hmm. What are some things that you think are very, very cool about the ship itself or living on the ship that most people don't know about ships? Oh, my gosh, there's so many things. Um, 
I would say it just feels different, like in terms of your senses. Um, there are a lot of new noises that you don't typically hear. So we do a lot of mapping. So our ship has specific instruments welded or attached to the bottom of the ship called sonars. Um, and so what sonars do is they send out a little chirp, kind of like a bird, at specific intervals. That sound travels through the water and then bounces back up off the floor and it's resolved by a computer to create these really accurate maps of the seafloor. So when we're mapping and we're in transit, you can hear the chirp of the sonar, for example. You can also hear the engine. Sometimes if you're down below deck, which just means you're on the lower floors of the ship, um, you can actually feel kind of like the vibrations a little bit. Um, you can hear various alarms going off because um, it's just a huge system and it needs to be maintained all the time. So it's very sensitive. And, you know, there's a team, usually when we're out at sea, um, our crew does shift shift work. So there's always somebody on watch to watch this, the, the ship, essentially, because it's like this living being almost <laughs> like it is made of metal but <laughs> there's things going on 24 7 you know there has to be a navigational officer on watch at all times there has to be an engine person on watch at all times um it's a different energy um in terms of senses and sounds as well um we have server rooms that keep all of our computers in one place and all of our data scientific data and also just video data all in one place. Um, and the server room has a specific sort of computer noise to it. It's like a hum. Um, you have, you know, the chefs cooking in the kitchen, you know, cutting stuff like making food for the rest of the crew. You have, um, you know, the noise of you know, just the water swooshing around the ship as well, if you're out on the back deck. You know, in Vigo, where we are right now, it's very rainy, so you'll hear the rain and the wind when you're out at sea. Um, so lots of different noises. And also, kind of, your internal sensations are also different, because, you, you know, the place where you're living all of a sudden is rolling around in the waves, it can be very confusing for your mind and inner ears, like your vestibular system can be very confused when you're used to being on land where it's steady. And then all of a sudden, your entire office, your bedroom, your entire house, essentially, is rolling, you know, to and fro. Um, so that can take a few days to get used to. Yeah, and then visually, also, you're seeing all kinds of really cool things. Sometimes you can get lost because it's a really big area. Like, I'm not ashamed of this, but I have been lost so many times. It's like a maze because, you know, when you go more into the ship, um, away from the sides, there's no window. So it can sometimes be very difficult to orient yourself. So it can be a little bit confusing. So I've spent a lot of time being lost my first month on the ship. <laughs> Um, especially below deck where all the engines are. It's like a complete maze down there. I honestly still haven't figured it out.
do you live on the ship 100% of the time or are you only there sometimes? I am not here 100% of the time. Um, This goes for a lot of different seafaring careers. It really depends on what company you work with um, or what like what part of the maritime industry you're in. So like research vessels versus cargo ships versus tugboats and all of those other types of vessels. It really depends. Um, I'm usually on 50% of the year in chunks. So usually several months on, several months off. Um, Because when we are here, we work very long hours. We live here. And so when we're off, it's like a chance for us to breathe, see our families, visit our friends, do hobbies, take care of family, like all kinds of things. So it gives us the opportunity to rest. And that length really also depends on the company. I've heard 11 months on, 11 months off policies, you know, that exists. So it really depends. But yeah. It's good that you get to have all that time off to recharge. Yeah. This all sounds like a very cool job and a very cool place to work. Do you have any advice for people, for kids who might be interested in doing this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, my advice would be um, stick to your interests. Find what you're interested in because, you know, ships have all kinds of team members that are necessary to make a ship run properly. You know, I myself play a lot of hats. You know, I had to do a lot of training before getting here, like more than previous jobs I've had. But then also, you know, we don't just have technicians like me. We have engineers. We have a whole team of engineers that take care of the engine below deck. We have deckhands that deal with stuff on deck and containers and moving things. We also have the interior team, you know, our stewardesses, our purser, our chefs. We have, you know, because we're a research vessel, we also have science personnel, and that includes myself and the marine technicians. And then you also need people to drive the ship, and that would be the navigational officers and the bridge officers, safety officers, all the people up there on the bridge that are on watch. Um, So my advice would be don't skimp on the physics. (laughs) It's very important. (laughs) But, you know, stick to your interests. And if a seafaring career comes your way, there are lots of ways to be out at sea than just a scientist. Because, you know, scientists will come visit our ship, but then spend a lot of time doing and processing the data. Whereas, you know, a technician, we're here very often and we're taking care of that equipment and we're interacting and we're more behind the scenes in terms of the science. So there's really all kinds of options if you are interested in a seafaring career. I'd really love to encourage girls, especially, to um, consider a seafaring career because right now worldwide maybe only two percent of seafarers are women so I think we have a long way to go in terms of equality and I think that if we kind of bring awareness that there's lots of different options of you know in terms of a seafaring career 
um, I think it would make more people interested. Thank you. Yeah, that's really good to know. And it's good to know that there's so many different ways to do that. It reminds me actually of our episode that will probably come out before this, where we talked about what it's like to live in Antarctica in uh, in um, kind of a research base in Antarctica. And it mm-hmm. is very similar. They also need chefs. They need medical personnel. They need only about a quarter of the people there are the science people and the rest are all, you know, all these other different jobs. So there's lots of different ways to work in Antarctica and there's lots of different ways to work as a seafarer. So I love that. Yeah, I actually, we had some crew that have worked in Antarctica for over a decade. Um, We have some very experienced staff um, and it's been so cool to listen to their stories too. And even if you want to like get involved in, you know, the maritime industry, we also need a lot of support from Shoreside. So we actually have a whole Shoreside team that regularly, you know, we Skype with every week and do Zoom calls with. And we talk to all the time because we can't just do this by ourselves. We have a whole Shoreside support staff, both in outreach and in science and in operations. It's a huge, it's a huge effort to run a ship this big. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Sophia. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Of course. Is there anything that you would like to promote? Um, Yes, actually. We, so Schmidt Ocean and RV Falcor too, we have our ROV live stream when expeditions start back up. You can find those on YouTube and Facebook at Schmidt Ocean. Um, We're also on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, also on Twitter at Schmidt Ocean for all of them. Um, You can also find us on SchmidtOcean.org. Um, so for more information on cruises, any um, sort of news coming out from our company, any new discoveries, um, scientific publications, you can find all of that information on there. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I will put all of that in the episode description so that everybody has it handy in case you want to check that out. There are some very fun videos of past live streams and things like that. If you love watching those deep ocean rov videos of all those different weird deep ocean species it's the place to go watch those kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah come join us over there it's a really fun time <laughs> awesome well thank you again sophia and as always a big big thank you to everybody listening do you have a question that you'd like answered by an expert send us an email or a voice recording at what do scientists do at superstaff.ca for more science fun, you can also follow us on social media at ScientistsDoPod on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Bye for now! This podcast was made by Supernova at Dalhousie University, a network member of Actua. For more information on our summer camps, workshops, and more, check out supernova.dal.ca.